We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 116. A missile opinion brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, as always, and I'm joined by a guy that has become a little bit of a bigger deal, at least since we had him on last. And I'm happy to welcome back, still, of the Barcelona Football Blog's own and a Twitter powerhouse in his own right, but now also the Athletics' Kevin Williams. Welcome back, Kevin. Hi, yo, Dan. Thanks for having me. It's uh, fun. Let's get this thing rolling, right? Absolutely. And we'll, we'll pitch some of your other stuff at the end. Uh, but first, we have to get right into it with La Grande Pagunta. And this is actually based on an article that you wrote for the Barcelona Football Blog. And we'll have links in the description in the show notes for that stuff. But it's based on yesterday's game at this point with Carlos Alenia. And depending on when you're putting this in your ears, the big idea that still permeates is how does Valverde handle the youth players? Of course, that was the big story that Carlos Alenia comes into the game, winds up you know, having a starring role. He might not have been the man of the match as Dembele or Pique might have been, but Elenia again gets the goal that puts it away. It's 2 nothing. It comes on the back of a long-term injury to Elenia where he's now, of course, still obviously registered, not obviously, but he's still registered as a B player, and he sits on the bench against PSV. Fans are in Kool-Aid are wondering, why wasn't he in that game? But then in a pivotal moment against Villarreal, He's put in the game. Same thing came against Real Betis, where he was, uh, it was his other substitute appearance in the league of this season. He's S2, where he played the last 21 minutes of that game. And it, it does make you wonder, and that's the, the immediate question, that does Valverde necessarily trust Elena? It looks like he trusts him, but why isn't he utilizing him in different situations? So again, that's the big picture here. We'll start with Elena. How does Valverde handle youth players? Then we'll head on to some other ones. But let's start there with Elena, Kevin. Um, so I think that this whole notion about uh, Val Verde and youth players, particularly Ellen Yeah, is rooted in this weird uh, pathological uh, dislike that coolers have for their head coach. Um, he has handled that player just fine. He's uh, brought him along properly. He's had him playing with B to get his fitness uh, back and most, uh, most crucially getting his uh, confidence uh, back. If you look at the uh, B team uh, record, with and without Ellen, yeah, it's it's a huge difference, and that's solely because there's no question about uh, that uh, player's quality, right? But keep in mind that you also have 
that massively talented first team roster, right? If you're looking at where you sub a player in, where you bring a guy in, certainly as talented right now as uh, that guy might be, where do you play him, right? I mean, uh, Rakitic, uh, Vidal, uh, Busquets, no, no, no. Right. So you have to uh, find the right time to work these guys in. I mean, uh, people going nuts about the way uh, Valverde handles the youth just don't uh, realize that, A, matches are a lot tighter and B, and this is uh, something that I don't see eye to eye with as regards many uh, supporters is what youth uh, guy right now is really good enough to crack that uh, first team except for Alenia. And you'd have to believe, too, that with the amount of time that Alenia was with Barca B, it was now at this point two and a half seasons he was with the Barcelona B team. He's this season, as you had mentioned, recovering with eight appearances, three goals, one assist for Barca B. And that's the big note that you also mentioned, that they have been so much better when he has been on the field. He's also been in one Copa del Rey appearance, but he had missed the first seven matches of the season before his return in September. So he misses the whole preseason, and that really does put you on a, a, the, the wrong foot forward heading into the season. And that is the important note that between the other guys, the next we'll say the next up with the talent at Barcelona B, whether it whether it be Richie Puj or El Busquets, obviously also coming back from injury, he's probably the second guy in line, you have to say, and a guy who's been with the Barca B team for a while. Chumi, Abel Ruiz, and Iñaki Pena. So basically guys at every position on the field are, are, are next in line. But as you mentioned, in a deep, and it's funny because you think about the summertime, Valverde had even said, I want less players in my first team to utilize a B team, but then the squad winds up still being, you know, a, a pretty deep team. And yet Barcelona, with this glut of injuries, it feels like, I don't know, do you think that it's that Valverde trusts Alenia, and even if everyone was healthy, he might have been put in that game against Villarreal, or it was immediately to a point that due to the injury to Rafinha and... And Arthur's injury as well. Do you think it's due to those kind of situations? That's why Eleni got the call in that game? Hmm. Um, both, right? I think that he has this unique skill set. Uh, right? If you look at the uh, uh, game Arthur plays, for example, uh, right now most of his uh, passes would be classified as a possession passes, right? Where you make the safe ball, you keep things moving, uh, but you're not really penetrating, you're not really making forward runs, you're not uh, doing any of that stuff. The more typical controller uh, type, if we use Xavi uh, as the archetype, did. Um, Rafinha is more of a shell type uh, player between the lines. Um, he's certainly talented in midfield, he has a nice shot, he's smart in and around the box, but I think that uh, Alenia is the most, most complete uh, mid right now when you think about that central attacking role. So I suspect that Val Verde would have used him. I So I think if healthy, uh, then Arthur starts, right? And uh, uh, then you have that same situation, that same point in the match, and he's looking down the bench, and you have to wonder, does he stick on Vidal, or does he want to go for offense and use Alenia? And I believe he would have made that same decision, because that's that was that uh, required skill set. Yeah, that's how I, I felt about Delania, that I think you would also have to be reminded that even though Elena is the more offensive option in comparison to some of those Ben's options, it doesn't mean that he's lacking on the defensive side of things. I mean, that's not a weakness in his game. 
but it just, it just serves that he is someone who is a little more forward-thinking and has shown in the past that he does have not only a goal-scoring touch, but the ability to assist as well. And that does him make him seem as his complete midfielder. And it, it seems like the things that he specializes at, because he's such an all-around force, makes you wonder where his role fits into a team and in what circumstances he should be entered on the field. But I, I think you're absolutely right with, as a 20-year-old, uh, he turns 21 in January. He's the kind of player that you're not only patient with, but he has this ability with his all-around game to refine each of his qualities, and every bit of improvement he makes in, in all of those different facets is going to make him much uh, a much more complete player. And that's why people, since he's been 13, 14 years old, believe that his ceiling is so high. And, and this does beg the question about how, again, not only do we want, and this is me, you know, honestly, from the heart, saying that not only do we want Eleni to succeed but I think, obviously, intrinsically, as Barcelona fans, we want Eleni to succeed because you always want some validation for not only putting the trust, but putting all that hope that you have in, in the youth academy. And so the, the, the contradiction, as I, I always mention, is how he not only handles Valverde, the youth players, and how we see him handling La Masia players, as opposed to how he's handling other guys in their early 20s, be it Dembele, be it Malcolm, and even Semedo was only 23 when he started. But I, I think... There is a, a line, and I don't want to ask you, Kevin, a specific age as to what age we should start taking, we'll say, the kick gloves off and be protective of players. But I think at the ages of 20 and 21, which is what Alenia and Dembele and Malcolm still are, at those ages, I think there still is, you know, they're not a fully formed player. There, there is still instruction to be given. And obviously, every player continues to get better and evolve. And I even think of Kevin De Bruyne, who... It took him until the age of what? It was 25, 26, until we really saw what he's capable of. Um, Which and, is normal. Right. And it, 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 took a, it took a while. But for Dembele and Malcolm and how, he, how Valverde's handling him, it's, I feel like he might be handling him all the same. But we obviously, as Kool-Aid and watching from afar, we believe that Alenia and La Masia players intrinsically should be handled differently than Dembele and Malcolm. Obviously, that's unfair. Um, but with that confirmation bias in place, do you think that Valverde handles La Masia players the same way he handles those young 20-somethings as well? So, yes, and I believe that he has to, right? I think that what we forget is that when a, a player comes out of the academy, they have an unusual uh, degree of uh, uh, football IQ, right? I mean, if you look at the, the average uh, 16-year-old stroking balls around, right, in uh, uh, the youth divisions— their knowledge of the game, their sense of what to do with the ball, their sense of how to interact with teammates has been worked on and honed and developed way, way from a, a very early age. So that means that that 20-year-old kid coming out of um, Alamasia will have a much a higher football brain than, say, uh, someone like uh, Dembele or like uh, Malcolm, who has arrived at uh, Barcelona from a more tra- traditional uh, transfer route. I mean, let's not uh, forget that uh, Dembele uh, had this meteoric rise from youth teams at Rennes to first team, then to Dortmund, uh, then to uh, Barcelona. And he's always uh, been given the ball and told, hey, go do what you do. He's not had that sort of super intensive training that you get when you're at the Barcelona um, school. And that is 
massive. So I think that uh, Val Verde, look, when he gets a young player, wherever he gets them from, that guy is a professional. And he should be treated the same no matter uh, who that guy is or where he comes from. I think that uh, Dem Valet is a slightly different case because of his astronomical upside. Uh, but there again, he's still a, a young professional and he has to do his job, which is that job, right? Be the best a football player he can be. Yeah, and I, I think an important note is that Valverde, because he's a different coach than we've seen, and yes, he might have been a player at Barcelona and he has been around the system and understands parts of the philosophy, but running a first team is a little different. And so Dembele needs to be asked to do what he's asked to do by Valverde, if, if that makes any sense, in that while the youngsters who are coming through La Masia are built with this Barcelona philosophy, moving right into the first team, you might not even necessarily have to have that Barcelona f- philosophy. And I think that's a contradiction. That's what gets everybody so upset and riled up because if you think about a winger and the role of a winger, and obviously you go back to the Guardiola years more than any other, I think about when Terry Henry came to the club and Terry Henry initially struggled and he said he struggled because in a way that Xavi, Iniesta, and Messi were taught in La Masia, especially be operating in the middle of the field, they saw everything 360 degrees. And obviously the way that we always, you know, gloss, not gloss, but we always, you know, rave about the way that, that Xavi could have eyes behind his head and always had a head over his shoulder. But yet when a player like Henri came to the club and was pushed out to the wing and was on that left wing, he had to not only redefine his whole game, but he had to figure out the the ways that he could motivate himself to continue to make that dummy run in behind the defense. And he'd make it over and over and over again. And he'd get the ball once out of every six, seven, eight, ten times, but you have to continue to make that run because of the space it opened up for everyone else. And so for Dembele moving in, if, if you would imagine Dembele as, as a 10, 11, 12-year-old at La Masia, he might not have learned the skills he has on the ball, and he wouldn't have become the dribbler, or he might not have become the dribbler he is, but in the same instance, he would intrinsically understand that that run is so, so important to the way that Messi is still that Barcelona philosophy. If you play with Messi, you have to be able to operate on a certain wavelength. So to, to, to work with a player like Busquets, like Messi, who operate in 360 in the middle of the field, Dembele really does have to learn the importance of the times that he doesn't have the ball. And again, as a young player, just 21, moving to Barcelona, even though he was hurt last season, he's been there now a year and a half. I understand how the expectations are raising. But again, if a, if a player of Terry Henry's caliber coming from Arsenal has to relearn his game to fit playing that Barcelona system, even with Valverde as the coach, to fit that system with Busquets and Messi and the like, and guys who play in, we'll say, that Barcelona way, that's going to still take some time for Dembele to learn. And in the interim, we've seen that Malcolm, the best way to endear yourself while you're learning that part of the game is to track back and help defensively. That's the best way to go about that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's massive. I also think that... The biggest thing, so right now, and I've been thinking a lot about this because I, I'm working on a piece right now for the athletic about what's wrong with this team, right? When you use air, huge, huge air quotes around wrong. Um, I think that when you look at the uh, transfers over the last five or six seasons, when you look at uh, the kinds of players that have been transferred in, how many of them have arrived ready to uh, play the Barcelona 
system or ready to play really um, um, any kind of positional system, right? I mean, you have agents of uh, chaos, uh, you have free spirited dribbler types, um, you have your, uh, your Vidal's, your Dembele's, your Coutinho's. Uh, really, the only players that have uh, been transferred in the last five, six years who were ready to uh, play that system were Arthur, Ter Stegen, and then Umtiti. Uh, right? All the rest have come in sort of playing the way they play. Now, if you're uh, Val Verde, what do you do? Do you make these players relearn the game the way Guardiola did, right, with that famous run, you bastards run, right? Or do you understand <laughs> yeah. that um, there is a lot of layers that you need to unpeel as a coach, right? Not only that, but then when you look at the older players, I mean, man, if you were to... Um, Scream, run, you bastards, run right now at Dublin's guests, they'd be like, yeah, now I'm too old for that. No, right? And so, <laughs> yeah. right? so there's a major, major limitation right now, not only in the, the age of the uh, players, but in the uh, mentality of the uh, transfers. What makes them uh, very amazing is what he does with the ball is feet. But you also bring in players like him, like Coutinho, uh, for whom they don't make those runs because uh, for them, life really doesn't begin until after they get the ball. Yeah. Right? And I think that that's the huge thing right now that um, so many aren't, look, aren't uh, looking at when they consider this uh, team and why it plays the way it does. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and uh, with even the players that you mentioned, Arthur, what has made him special is how quickly he has uh, acclimated. And while Umtiti in that first season got acclimated, there was still some learning that you saw he had to do to just understand the system. And the same thing with Ter Stegen was protected behind Claudio Bravo. And so uh, with every player, I think Arturo, as I was thinking about it yesterday, really has been a special case that I don't can't think of when the last time someone has so seamlessly integrated into the into the squad. And that is a testament to the scouting that, that brought a player like him and made that early contact with him when he was at Gremio and laid that groundwork long before another team could pick him up. But uh, back to Lenya, we're going to bookend La Gran Pagunta, and we're going to head right into La Ronda. We're going to transition pretty seamlessly with a question from Mike. I was truly worried when Carlos Lenya got injured at the end of the last season. I'm very happy to see him getting some valuable minutes under Valverde. The question is, should he be moved to the first team permanently in that January 2019 transfer window, or... Would you loan him out? I'm going to add this. Mike didn't ask this, but I'm going to add this. Or, Kevin, would you loan him out? So, basically, first team in January or loan him out? Oh, first team. No question. Um, he is ready. He is better than anyone that the uh, club would be able to buy in that January window. And he already knows the system. He knows how to play. I mean, look, that goal came from the run dictating the pass, right? That's how it's supposed to be. That's what you learn at uh, Barcelona. And so that's why Messi was ready and Alenia was ready. They each know how to play the game the right way. No, oh, you keep them, no question. Yeah, I, absolutely, I agree. that I think that's the place for him. The squad is not too deep where he shouldn't receive some minutes. Uh, and, there are, and there are circumstances and times to put him in. And if anything, I think his time could grow. Uh, and also injuries are a part of the game. So the squad that looks so deep might not be so deep at certain times. So now switching gears a little bit, this will be a quick one. 
James asked if you were Barca sporting director could bring back Neymar, considering the tactical implications. And there's also a piece on The Athletic by you about uh, Neymar, any, any potential move back to Barcelona, and I would implore people to read that as well. But considering the tactical, the tactical implications, who would you give up between Coutinho and Dembele in some kind of Neymar swap? Oh, man, Coutinho. I think that answers the question enough, and that would just be— Not even, not even, <laughs> it's not even a contest. And do you and the the reasoning behind that would be something that again people were questioning and I think while he was injured he is in a lack of form right now I think that's another question that I'll I'll bring up and pose to you is that is it feel like Coutinho is just out of form or is that he is stuck between two minds and not really having a place in the system that Valverde plays or even Barcelona where he doesn't really fit as a left wing he doesn't really fit as a center midfielder but he fits more as a left midfielder and that's just it's not a position that's available in the way they're playing yeah Coutinho is weird this was something that was raised when his uh, transfer was first mooted was where would he fit Um, he's not really a midfielder in the sense of the kind of skill set you need to function at uh, Barcelona. He's not that winger, right, that typical uh, Cruyffian winger, which really Jordi Alba is probably the uh, best example of that uh, kind of um, a pure winger on the uh, squad. It's always struck me as weird that he's a left back instead of a left wing, you you know, by a left um, a back like say, a, a Furlan uh, Mandi, right, and then you just uh, turn all the loose. Um, the biggest problem with, uh, with Coutinho is that he has this skill set. Uh, I don't know if, how possible it's uh, going to be for him to unlearn, which is he gets uh, the ball, puts his head down, and runs at the defense. That's, that's kind of all he does. And the thing is, when you're playing for Barcelona, right, you have runs, you have options, you have lanes, you have movement and you have to constantly use your head and use the uh, ball as this extension of your mind. And I think in many ways he is a uh, fairly uh, limited player. And we knew that when he was coming in. I don't know if we knew how limited he was. And what's now happening is that uh, you notice that Liga, uh, especially uh, right now, what the defenses are doing is when he gets the ball, they just make a wall. And one guy hands him off, and he never gets that shooting space, never gets that shooting angle anymore. So they've figured out his one sort of Arjen Robin thing, right? I mean, they've, yeah. they've got that nailed down. So now he's just not that effective. Yeah, I, I think it's tough. As much as people have been on Dembele, it seems like that just that lack of fluidity that Coutinho has I mean, it makes it Neymar in the system they're playing. As you even mentioned in your article, just continues to make sense with as much as the off-field stuff and the PR stuff is damaging. Uh, it just makes sense to what they're doing. But speaking of, uh, of what they're doing, we have a question from Ellie asking, I've asked this earlier today in the group, but I'd like you and your guests, and this, of course, coming from the Facebook group, group. That's where all these questions are coming from, as always, especially if you're new to the show. And uh, again, we employ you to get over there. That's how you get these questions asked. But anyway, do we really need Frankie D. Young or Adrian Rabiot? Artur, Alenia, and eventually Puj with Rakitic and Vidal plus Busquets should be enough, perhaps De Young, to cover for Busi. And, you know, Kevin, I'll answer. I think I've answered this one plenty on the podcast before, but the this comes on the back of these uh, this Rabio news really picking up this week. Uh, well, yeah, so when I wrote a piece 
a couple weeks ago uh, for The Athletic that uh, dealt with that very thing. I think the thing about uh, uh, De Jong is I don't know if he's obviously very talented. I mean, I think that um, many have been calling him one of those generational talents, and I don't buy that because, for me, Messi is a generational talent, right? Xavi is, Iniesta is. Um, yeah, De Jong, a nice eye for the pass. He uh, breaks lines nicely. The thing about young players and how they develop is you just never know. And as the uh, Facebook poster said, we have so much talent, midfield talent right now, that if you spend $80 because that's what it is a uh, going to cost by the uh, time that City gets involved. For De Jong, what are you saying to those players who are waiting in the wings? What are you uh, uh, saying to Alanya? What are you saying to Oriol? Uh, what are you saying to Pooch, right? I mean, you have to, at some point, calm down with the incessant acquisition mania that seems to have gripped this fan base. They seem to want to buy every mid mid who can string more than two passes together. And frankly, we have plenty of those guys now, and they're uh, very talented. Rabio is just a head case. I don't want that guy anywhere near my football club. Yeah, I think we, not only do we agree on, on Rabio, um, but I, I think, and I've been one of the ones that I can say on this show that I've called the younger generational talent. And, and my explanation behind that is that for Barcelona, uh, obviously the the backbone and the majority of the team, as I've always believed, should come from La Masia. But then when it comes to the ages, I think, of Rakitic and Vidal and Busquets, all post-30, if you have a player like De Jong that, and I and since then, I don't, again, I, I've never perspi- uh, been one to jump on board with individual players as such, just see the team need and say, well, that's a player that, that makes sense for that position. But with the age of Busquets and Rakitic and Vidal, um, I would tend to, of what I've seen of De Jong, that you have to believe as young players, a combination of Oral Busquets or Frankie De Jong, I, I think one, it's impossible to believe that, one, that even one of them might reach the level of Sergio Busquets. But if one of the two of them does, then that puts Barcelona in advantageous position. And so what I mean by generational is that I find that very few players in the world could replace Sergio Busquets and oh, none, it, none. It, it, right exactly and so I think for what I've seen of Frankie de Young I think he is of what I've seen other than a player coming from La Masia itself the best option that I've seen in the world and now to your point and from your article as well that I honestly believe that Delict or de Young it's only going to be one of the two and I, I think everyone has kind of come slowly around to the, the very idea that it has to be delict based on team need for Barcelona. Like you look at the future of of what of the most glaring need shortly that once that BK might be the only one of the, the three center backs over the age of 30. And he's had good performances and bad performances. And then even with the knee of Umtiti, which is coming from nowhere. But at the center back position, a player like delict winds up being even more, and again, this is silly because I think I've, I've now destroyed the whole idea of the word generational. But in this sense, the Ligt is the more generational talent or more important to fill that need than even De Young is because of, as you've mentioned, the other options that have fit. Um, and so that is a balance that I think not only Barcelona has to 
toe that line, but the fan base does as well. And that's what makes the Rapio point so confusing. I just don't understand. And, and this obviously, it, you don't know who this is coming from. Every link from Rabio might just be coming from his agent for leverage in a contract negotiation with PSG or another club that we don't know about. This might not actually have anything to do. It might actually be leaks or, or real content. You look at the fluff that, that always comes out. And uh, it, the second that Sport or Mundo Deportivo or, or somebody finds that, oh, it looks like the fan base are really buying up these papers with Frankie de Jong on the cover, well, that, that, that just creates the buzz, even if they're is no contract negotiation, there's no nothing, there's no talk, there's no, I, I don't know. I, I think it winds up being a lot of fluff until the players are actually there. Um, but for me, I, I think the Ligt is really important, to uh, not the future of Barcelona, but he's going to be an, for, an important future of some club somewhere, wherever he goes from Ajax, uh, and, and I think I'd like to see him at Barcelona. And De Young, yeah, I, I, there, is, there is talent to cover him, but there's going to come a day very soon that Busquets and Rakitic are going to be starting to phase out. And my worry is that if Oral Busquets winds up not being that defensive midfielder or even the ones below him, Alejandro Oriana, these are all guys that individually at each level you look at and say, man, that guy's really got something there. Um, but again, you're running a risk that they're young as well. And just what I've seen professionally from Frankie de Jong, what he showed in for the Netherlands, for uh, Ajax in the Champions League, for Ajax even in, uh, in multiple positions, he seems to be a guy that, certainly is, would, would fit like a glove in the way that, that um, Busquets has always shown, if not to his level. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's always the danger, right, is how players develop. I mean, certainly Busquets, before his long-term injury, when we saw him in those couple of outings, there was no question that physically, in terms of his skill set, um, in terms of how he uh, went about the game, uh, that guy was the real, the real deal. I even uh, nicknamed him uh, Sergio Minor because he had that modeled game that worked in the exact same way that the game of uh, Busquets does. Now, since his return from injury, and he hasn't been back uh, very long, so he'll need time, but he has not been that same player, which does make you wonder. But look, let's not kid ourselves, we don't know necessarily how De Jong might adapt mentally right, at a club like uh, Barcelona. Right. I mean, don't forget that uh, when Andre Gomes was signed, that guy at Valencia was exceptional. Fast, rangy, smart on the ball, broke lines for fun, scored goals, right? came to Barcelona, and he was a head case. So it's just, it's really impossible to know how a player is going to develop once you bring them into what's frankly now kind of a nest of vipers at Barcelona. Yeah, and there's much more pressure, as obviously we've seen with Dembele, there's much more pressure on particularly young players brought in for a fee, because even though it's not our money, there always seems to be a, well, then that money should have been used for someone else even though we always seem, it's this odd relationship that, that fans have with clubs that they believe that, in, in essence, that it is their hard-earned money that's going towards these young players. And if they don't deliver on that uh, expense, uh, then they were lessened. So you can take a chance on youth players in ways that you, from your own academy, in ways that you can't, um, with what, what feels like, to some degree, a mercenary, but obviously shouldn't for, for kids that are 
19, 20, 21 years old to come to Barcelona, and it's been their dream as well. And there's this, I think it's very, it gets very cynical very quickly. So let's move on to some older players. Minor and Charlie kind of will combine these two questions. Vidal's reaction was called off clearly show, when he was called off clearly shows how bad he wants to be on the pitch battling to get a win. Why doesn't Valverde give him a full game and who could rest while, while Vidal can continue to get on in the starting 11? And Charlie Barca asks, when is Rakitic going to get a rest? Uh, and, and that kind of goes to the point in the Grand Pagunta about the youth, right? That when is yeah. Rakitic going get to a, get a rest, I think, is a more interesting question. And I find people are really lazy about it and just say that Valverde and, and Rakitic have this either this bond or, or this agreement. And it, it seems like hogwash to me. But I, I, maybe, Kevin, you see something more into this. But I, I asked the same thing that Charlie asked. Why is Rakitic play 90 minutes every time? Well, because he's really damn good. I mean, I think that, look, um, when you look at the uh, Barcelona world about social media, right, you get these weird kind of ripples and these waves. And right now there's this notion that uh, Rakitic is not a not a uh, fantastic mid. He is. I mean, this is a guy who went from running the offense at uh, Sevilla to coming here and basically being a donkey, right? And even now, his main role, let's not kid ourselves, is uh, now to protect Sergio Busquets. So he is one of the more essential players in the starting 11. Now, the reason to get him rest right now, and those two questions dovetail neatly because certainly Vidal is the guy that can get him that rest, right? That can um, That can protect that flank for Busquets that you know keeps him from having to uh, cover too much ground. You can kill two birds with one stone by giving Vidal a full match, which also gives Rakitic that rest that he will need because moving forward into knockout stages and big matches, I can't... If you look at that starting 11 right now when everybody is fit, healthy, and raring to go, I would argue that uh, Rakitic is just as important in that starting 11 as anybody else. So real quick, we got three more questions here. Andre asks, is Langley a viable backup option? And obviously he's a starter now. And I, I think let's let's translate that question into, into being when Umtiti were to come back and whether that be at, in a few months' time after recovering potentially from this knee injury or whether or not he has to go over the knife, we don't know what's going to happen there. But it, would it be Umtiti or Langley of what you've seen so far? Wow, that's uh, oh, that's easy. It's very clearly Umtiti. Um, a long lay is much more of a he's a, a reactionary defender, right? He's not yeah. preventive in the same way that that Umtiti is, and we see that get the defense in a bit of bother repeatedly in match after match. Um, you know, fast moving a tax where Umtiti moves out, steps into a passing lane and just deals with it right away, Longley will backpedal and let the attack uh, develop and then try to deal with it. And sometimes at that moment, it's uh, too late. So Umtiti, no question. So we had already answered uh, Silla Balam's question about Coutinho. So with our last two questions, Armin asked, and I'm going to shorten it. He has multiple questions here, but Armin, we're going to shorten it just to the one. Do you think Valverde will stay after this season? And this coming our men saying his communication seems very similar to Lucho's in his last season. No, um, I think that the club will need to rebuild starting this summer. Yeah. Um, um, uh, Valverde 
is not the guy you want for that rebuild. Who? That's a really, really good uh, question. I uh, hear people clamoring for Setien. I hear um, people clamoring for um, uh, Machin from uh, Sevilla. I don't know if either of those guys are the ones you want either, but I just right now when you look at uh, Val Verde's demeanor, when you look at the way he handles his uh, press conferences, when you look at the dis- decisions he makes on the pitch, it's very reactive, very short-sighted. He's not running this uh, team right now like a coach who th- thinks he has more seasons. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, the one wrinkle I'll add to it is that it seems to me coming from the club itself, and obviously you want to honor your legends and your veterans, but it, it seems like the club itself is on this, I, I don't know what the way, how to say positive crash course, with the fact that you know Xavi is going to be hanging it up this season as a player. He's already started his coaching certificates. People are aware of that. And I think, and everyone would agree, that you don't want to push him into something too early. So he is still a few years away from that. And the timeline winds up being really important here because the the age of Messi, and not even just Busquets and PK, but the age of Messi is not going to advantageously coincide with uh, what would be a new coach in Xavi Hernandez. So in essence, I do get the feeling that at least one or two more managers are going to be required in that interim until, we'll say, you start the Xavi era. And the problem with Barcelona with results is if Xavi starts his 10 games, his first 10 matches at the club, and picks up one win, well, then Xavi Hernandez's time at the club as a manager wouldn't last too long either. And that's been for going back 100 years that even the guys as players who were these club legends, if you don't pick up some wins and quickly, things can really turn on anybody in a hurry and we even look at the end of Xavi's career in the last year or two when even the press called him washed up and said that Barcelona should move on um and to me it was always it was always sour not necessarily the way Iniesta left but the way Xavi left in that Iniesta chose when to go and Xavi wasn't really given the same option um the club might have but the writing was already on the wall based on unfortunately the court of public opinion which winds up playing uh, very strongly, or I think a little too strongly in today's day and age. Uh, but let's get back to tactics. Okay. Well, actually, if you want to respond, go ahead. Yeah, much too strongly. Here's the thing. I don't know. I think that um, uh, Xavi says all the right things that I think a certain segment of the fan base wants to hear. But unless he learns more flexibility and less dogmatism, I don't see him being a viable candidate for that coach's job unless Laporta wins next election and just wants to uh, try to uh, get the old band back together, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that would why I mentioned that he says the right things now as a, as a, as a man who's never managed um, not only a first division, but any division. So uh, you'd think that if he's able to do some learning, and I think even back to Again, he'll be compared immediately with Pep Guardiola, but you think back and Pep Guardiola made sure with the end of his career and the beginning of his time getting into management that he went to Mexico, he went to Italy, he went all over and all these different tactics and all these different club situations. So he did his homework much uh, much beyond the, the, the beautiful green pastures of, of Barcelona, and he did expand himself in that way. And I think that's going to be the next step, not only for Xavi, but any young Barcelona-related manager and Victor Valdez is looking and getting his coaching licenses as well. So anybody who's ever been affiliated with the club um, and Terry Henry, unfortunately, thrown into a situation at AS Monaco that he 
you have to say, probably wasn't ready for uh, to deal with a club that's uh, currently completely in flux. Uh, you know, he, you're, he's, there's a difference between Big Sam and Terry Henry, and that Big Sam, you throw him in to fight a relegation fight, but a new manager like Terry Henry, a guy who you're going to have to say is going to be on principles and, ta- and, and, and not basic tactics, but believing that working hard and, and XYZ do a little more than just uh, Big Sam, who's going to tell you a certain thing to, to stave off relegation. But anyway, we've gotten in two into the weeds here, so let's wrap this up with a final question from Rick. I feel it's been a while since I last saw Barca keep a clean sheet. What should be done so we can continue a solid defense? And obviously the clean sheet came against Villarreal, and then there was the one against Real uh, via the lead earlier in the season. Yep. Well, obviously I think that the things the the team needs doing, nobody wants to see, right? I mean, if you look at that uh, Villarreal match, the most fascinating thing, or one of the more fascinating things was that Vidal took up that uh, Paulinho role. And... That is a very important part of what this Barcelona team needs to not concede goals because people are old. And so every time the ball gets turned over, right, every counter makes danger because people can't close down the same way. They can't run as quickly. So having that guy in midfield working as that Las Vegas floor walker, right, looking for uh, trouble, looking for potential danger, that was a lot of what what Paulinho did, and that's a lot of what Valverde was looking to replicate when he brought uh, Vidal in. So what you have to have is, frankly, that midfield pit bull, which keeps those counters uh, from becoming real. You also need to not have Sergio Roberto on the right fullback side. Um, That guy's a welcome mat. And every attack that posed danger before his injury came from his side. And when you have his lack of pace and lack of real defensive intelligence, you mix that with the lack. Now Piquet has lost that step. Uh, He gets turned more easily. Those two things are fatal every uh, time. So if you want to keep a clean sheet, that starts with having uh, Nelson Semedo as your right back. Yeah, and and while when Roberto gets comes back, that'll be a hotly contested uh, d- debate as always, Kevin. But I- I'm glad we got to hear where you stand on it, and I'm glad where we hear got to hear where you stand on a ton of things. And obviously, you do make your opinion known in short uh, blurps on Twitter. But more importantly, you do do a lot of long form work as well. Where can people find all of your work? So they can either um, uh, visit BarcelonaFootballBlog.com. Dot com. My hope is that they will also uh, reach out and subscribe to The Athletic. They're, they've got a fantastic um, a bunch of uh, football writers over there, not uh, just me, but it's just this amazing wealth of information, long-form pieces, and it, the stuff over there is uh, smartly written and really well edited. So those are the main two places where you can find my work. Yeah, as, as a reader myself, I, I find that uh, it's not, again— Kevin, I read your work, but it's not just you. It's, it's a lot of different stuff, not just even soccer. That's where I'll read a lot of basketball news. I, I follow some hockey as well. And so it's a lot of good work over there. And until we get them to sponsor the show, unfortunately, we can't offer uh, any discount. But um, I, I will say that it is still worth the, the price of, we'll say the price of admission. It is subscription, but I'd say, again, it's more than worth it. It's, it's a small amount per month. But you can all find Kevin's stuff in the show notes, of course. Well, his Twitter handle will also link to the the 
Barcelona Football blog as well. And thanks again for tuning into the show. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe. You can find us on social media as well. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13 for me. On Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group is tbpod.link backslash group for deeper dives and discussions. And you can also help us out on Patreon to continue making these shows at tbpod.link backslash Patreon. And I know you always hear this blurb. The one thing I want to add finally for our Patreons at the end, I actually just wanted to tell the few of you to check your inboxes. We have a little message for you there and as well as something that is going to be important coming up this week. So if you are a Patreon, again, check your inboxes. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We have a few questions. And uh, again, thanks, Kevin. We're, we're happy to hear from you and we hope to have you back on again in the future. And thanks so much for you to listeners for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, the Barcelona. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.